The Big Beat manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is contagious. Yeah. This is outrageous. This is contagious. All right. You've brought a snake. Yeah. Oh, God, he's brought a venomous plus one. Whoa, snake. Massive. What's it called? Don't know, fucking rental snake, innit? It, it is safe, isn't it, Hans? Yeah, it should be. Red next to black. Jump the fuck back, red and yellow, cuddly fella. But red is next to black. Yeah, I don't know. It's fine. He's been milked, I should think. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the El Dude Brothers podcast, episode 39, The Test. My name is Sean, and I've never tried to cling film in Earthworm. And my name's Laura, and I'm a vegetarian, except that I eat chicken, fish, and posh bacon. Yeah, that doesn't make you much of a vegetarian, does it? No, that's pretty accurate, though, actually. I, I, I do eat all those things, but then I say things like, oh, I don't really like meat, but then... We'll eat a whole packet of prosciutto, so not a great vegetarian. How are you? What have you been up to this week? Oh, goddamn, I'm trying to think of what I've been up to this week. Everything? <laughs> um, just uh, busy with the podcast and busy with work. And So what did you remember about this episode before you watched it? Very little. I remember the thing that really stood out in my memory was Mark getting electrocuted by the doorbell. Um, that was the thing I remember more than anything from this episode. But um, other than that, no, not loads. I obviously remembered the paternity stuff and I remembered who came out as being the father. But other than that, no, not very much. What about you? Um, I remembered um, Fuck You Bush and the doorbell. And that was pretty much all I remembered yeah. about this episode. I, Fuck You Bush is, is really, like, is obviously a standout peep show moment. But I'd forgotten it was in this episode, I have to say. Yeah, for some reason I was thinking it. I couldn't remember if it was this episode or the next episode that had "fuck you, Bush." Yeah, in. I mean, obviously it's one with Elena, and so I knew it was in this series, but had forgotten where it came. Yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised when watching this episode. Yes, me you know, too. It made me laugh a lot more than I remember it. Or yeah, I liked it a lot. We spent a lot of the. Um, we spent a lot of um, Mark's women. The last, you know, like couple minutes of Mark's Women talking about how much we dislike this series and I have to say so far the series is two for two on yeah really it is fucking I, good I, episodes. I, I feel like a bit of a dick now saying how much I hated series six when we're gonna be a third of the way through it by the end of this and I, I like them both so let's see what happens as the series continues yeah I can tell you for sure that I know that I don't like this next episode uh what is the next episode what is it is it Jeremy in love yeah, Jeremy yeah, and Love. Yeah, it's not. It's yeah, I agree. But we'll talk about that more next week. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, so this episode kicks off with Jeremy and Mark at the grocery store. Mark is wondering why Jeremy is buying cat food. Why do you think Jeremy is buying cat food? I don't know. Doesn't he say that he's trying to fuck fuck with the nectar inspectors? Is that in this episode? Where and if it's not, we know that he wants to fuck with the nectar inspectors. So maybe he's doing it for you know to fuck the government up i'm not sure but um yeah. cat food does come in pouches over here i don't know if it does there maybe he it genuinely does. does think it's a dip yeah uh they spot elena at the grocery store how did jeremy know what elena's name was um yeah that's a good point i don't know i hadn't even thought of that i suppose maybe we can assume as they bumped into each other at the lifts last week maybe they've bumped into each other at the lifts again and maybe they've exchanged names but you're right that doesn't make a lot of sense no, I mean, it just goes from 
bumping into her at the elevator to all of a sudden knowing her name and what apartment she lives in. Yeah, maybe he's been creepily stalking her or looking at a post, maybe, in the shed. Yeah. That seems like the sort of thing Jez would do. Yes, I agree with you. Um, Mark says that Elena's shopping cart of brown rice, Pop-Tarts, chamomile tea, and economy vodka is quite the car crash of a shopping basket. Yeah, this is um, this episode of Peep Show opened up a whole new sport for me. And I love looking at what people have got at the checkout to think about whether or not it's a uh, car crash or a shopping basket. And this episode made me go back through my Facebook post to find where I posted about the best one I ever saw, which was about a year ago. And I saw a man who, he was, re- he was really old. He had like a walk-in frame and, and he was in Asda in front of me and he was buying 16 steaks, a bottle of lime cordial and a multi-pack of Rolos, which I think is an equally car crash of a shopping basket. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I get, uh, yeah, sometimes I like to peek at what people are buying and just kind of figure out, like, connect the dots, like, what does this person have plans for tonight? Yeah, but maybe Elena has bought all these things because she's trying to fuck up the nectar inspectors as well, so. I mean, if she doesn't know how to cook, you know, she's got Pop-Tarts for breakfast, and obviously, being in Britain, you're going to have tea for breakfast, lunch and dinner. So, you know, that makes sense. You know, brown rice, you know, just pop that shit in a rice cooker and you got like a little healthy carb fold mill. Just and on then, his own though, is a bit weird. That is a bit weird, but we don't know. Maybe she's got vegetables and freaking general sow chicken already at home. That's true. Yeah. And of course she's Russian or somewhere. So the vodka makes sense. Yeah. Racist. <laughs> no, Jeremy says it last. Does he say it this week or is it last week where he says that she's from Russia or somewhere? It's never established. Uh, he says is it's it? this. Yeah, yeah, he says it this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as this is all going on, Mark and Jeremy kind of begin to muse over whose idea the baby is. Mark thinks it's fifty-fifty, but Jeremy doesn't believe that at all. No, Jeremy thinks that it's much more likely that his sperm would have won the sperm race because they are uh, more suave. He thinks that they're sort of, you know, Marks are going to be just thinking they're not in the wank flannel, but Jeremy's are going to know the drill and they're going to know where to go when they get out there. Uh, I love when he tells Mark, he's like, and yours are all like, yay, we're out and we're not in the wank flannel. <laughs> I um, This got me thinking, though. That obviously, we know that when Mark had sex with Sophie, the condom broke. Um, but we assume that when she had sex with Jeremy, she also used a condom. And it'd be very bad luck if that broke as well. So surely the chances are, they surely must be thinking, the chances are it's more likely to be Mark's than it is Jeremy's if he had the broken condom and Jeremy didn't. Oh my God. I never thought about that before. No, I'd never thought about it until I was watching this again and they were talking about the sperm and I suddenly thought, but yeah, but surely she used a condom with Jez as well. That means that she potentially raw-dogged Mark, Jeremy, and Jeff all within a short span of each other. That's insane. It's gross is what it is, but we'll talk more about that later because I've got some opinions about this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mark mentions that he's going to go play Laser Commando, but Jeremy wonders what he's really doing. He wonders if Mark is actually going to a UKIP meeting, a gay sauna, maiming farm animals... And then he says, you know what? Don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. Do you think, um, yeah, do you think Mark is actually right-wing enough to join UKIP? No, I don't really. I think that Mark is going to be a solid middle-of-the-road guy. Like, he would definitely vote. He would have voted for Nick Clegg and the Liberal Democrats in 2010 when they were all popular. 
he says, doesn't he, back at Rainbow Rhythms, that he doesn't think Tony Blair was a bad thing. Like, I think he'd be right at centre, but not that right. I don't think he'd be in UKIP. Yeah, I don't think he'd be in UKIP either. No. I mean, we know how uncomfortable he was with Daryl's racism. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't think he'd want to get involved in it. Well, I'm sorry, if any of our listeners are in UKIP, I'm not saying that you are a racist. I'm saying that your party has racist ideas. Yeah, I'm going to come right out with it and say... are not necessarily a racist. I'm going to come right out with it and say, if you're listening to this podcast and you're in UKIP, that's a weird that's a weird that's a car crash of a podcast listening to you're doing like (laughs) that doesn't make a lot of sense so maybe look at yourself (laughs) just my opinion one man's opinion but we do find in in the next scene that mark has in fact gone to laser commando because he is uh giving it to a 12 year old with his laser gun um mark's upset because he's not wearing a jumpsuit he wasn't given a jumpsuit even though the uh, literature advertising Laser Quest showed jumpsuits, but he's just in his normal clothes. Have you ever played laser tag before? So one time when I was at school, we had this thing when we were in like year seven and eight, so like young, like 11 and 12, where the team, the class, the form that got the most house points at the end of each term got to choose an activity. And for reasons best known to the rest of my form, they chose laser tag as the activity when we won it. So I did go... I didn't enjoy it very much. Um, back in July, June or July, I don't remember. Might have even been as late as August. Um, we went to this new place that just opened up down the street from us called Main Event. So it just has like fucking everything. And Nicole and her friends were like, oh my God, let's play laser tag. And I was like, oh, sure. And yeah, it was a little tougher than what I thought I was sweating by the time I was done playing laser tag (laughs) maybe I would enjoy it more now I just remember not really understanding what it was or the point of it but certainly I think Mark's too old to be doing it at this point and he doesn't really look like he's having a good time does he yeah especially wearing like fucking corduroys (laughs) yeah um then uh he as he shoots the child Dobby comes around the corner and is surprised to see Mark and Mark feigns surprise but it's clear that this is why he's at laser quest yeah, and uh, she says, oh, Mark, I didn't know you came to Laser Quest. Or, or Mark says, Dobby, I didn't know that you came to Laser Quest. And inside his head, he thinks every other Sunday when live action role play is off season. Yeah. Um, what do you think? What's Dobby got on her head here? It looked like a hat. It did, didn't it? Like a little, but like a hat for a much smaller person, like a tiny little pillar box hat. It's very odd. I didn't know if it was part of the Laser Quest outfit or if it was just a kooky hipster hat she had on. It was almost like a little Shriner's hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very strange. But she, um, she's got the Laser Quest garb on, and she looks much more ready for combat than Mark. Yeah, and um, Mark asks her, um, "Christ, hold on a second here." Oh, Mark says that it's been a while since they've seen each other, and you know, Davi says like it's well, it's not like I've exactly been playing checkers in a cave with Bin Laden and Saddam Hussein, and um. You know, I hate to correct just, you. I hate to correct you on people show, but she says she's not been playing gin rummy in a cave with Salinger and Bin Laden, is what she says. Oh, shit. I thought it was Saddam and Bin Laden. No, no, it's Salinger, the writer. Oh, right. Wow, I don't think J.D. Salinger and Osama Bin Laden would have been playing checkers or uh, gin <laughs> rummy with each other, considering... I think it's because he was elusive. I think that's what she's... He was famously elusive, and I think that's what she is alluding to. But it's quite a 
I would say it's quite a literary um, uh, illusion for Dobby, who doesn't strike me as a big reader. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, Dobby just kind of tells Mark that she could, or that he could ask her out on a date, and Mark's just like, oh, that's too easy. And then she has this little line where she says, oh, I'm on this whole dating tip right now. I've gone date crazy. And... Yeah, she's dating everyone. Yeah, Mark thinks to himself, what is this odd fish saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and she says that her and Gerard are going to a music of Star Wars night, which Mark says he saw but didn't think she would enjoy. Yeah, it. I went... I don't know why, because that sounds right up her fucking straight. Yeah, I actually went to a music of Star Wars with Nicole uh, right after we got... Right after, probably a little under a year after we started dating, she got me tickets for Christmas and we went and it was freaking amazing. But I mean, I didn't even know there were, was particular music in Star Wars other than the the da -da -da -da, that's Star Wars, isn't it? The the main bit, but there's a lot of the, clearly a lot more music if they can do a whole concert of it. Well, it was it was really neat because they would play the score and then they would play the scenes from the movie on this big giant projector of the scenes that the score was in. So it was really it was really really nifty. Is it like an orchestra playing it? Is yes. It like a whole oh yeah orchestra? yeah yeah. Was yeah, there a guy it, freaking out on the bassoon in a, in a Yoda mask? No, there was not. But when I saw it, it was the London Philharmonic that was doing the tour. Ah, okay. Well, it sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, Mark then uh, attempts to undermine Gerard by asking Dobby to go on a date with him uh, the day before. So they're going to Music of Star Wars on Saturday and he says, do you want to come to mine for dinner on Friday? And he thinks... Friday comes before Saturday, so he's going to win this. Yep, I I like that. That's just so fucking typical, Mark. <laughs> yeah, he has to always get one over on someone. That's his whole thing. Especially fucking Gerard. Yeah. Um, so, next scene, we are back in Apollo House. This scene, this is probably a very classic scene, in my opinion, as well. Um, Mark is upset because he's had to spend a thousand pounds on a new boiler, and uh, Jeremy and Mark have a conversation about the house temperature. Yes. And let's go ahead and listen to that conversation right now. Okay. Yeah, too right. I'm freezing. Let's whack it up to 29. 29 degrees? Are you insane? I don't actually want it to be 29, but you've got to give it something to aim for. It'll get hotter quicker. No, it won't. It's either on or off. You set it, it achieves the correct temperature, it switches off. Oh, sure. You set it to 23, it'll be pootering along. Oh, yeah, 23, easy. Yeah, nearly there. Wouldn't you rather... Fuck! 29?! Christ, let's get cracking! Got to generate some serious heat! And then when it hits 23, we're suddenly all like, click, sorry, already there. And the boiler will be like, what the fuck?! You want to try to trick the boiler. <laughs> I think you either fall into Jeremy or the Mark camp on this one. And I'm definitely a Jeremy. Like, if I'm going to put the heat in on, I put it up to 30 degrees and just let it get as hot as possible and then turn it off, which is probably not very energy efficient. Um, I think this just really encapsulates both characters' like way of life. Mark is going to be slow but sturdy. Jeremy is just going to try to take shortcuts. Yes. Um, also... Bit sad for Mark that he's had to, as he's now unemployed, that he's had to spend a grand on a boiler. That seems really unfair that mm -hmm. life is throwing that. Oh my god, I didn't even think about that as well. Yeah. I'm just so used to Mark having a job at JLB that um, unemployed Mark is just such a weird idea. Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing that he's, he's fine for savings and, you know, 
he's he's a prudent guy who owns that flat. I'm sure that he he budgeted for it, but nevertheless, you know, sad for him. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, at this point, the doorbell rings and it's Sophie. She apologizes for being a little late to the meeting, but she also she says that she had to stop by her new drug dealer Elena's house, and she holds up a little bag of weed. Jeremy gets really, really fucking excited because he has an in. Yes. He has an in with Elena. Um, and I thought that this was a bit odd that a pregnant Sophie was buying weed, but then she clarifies this soon after to say it's for her brother, luckily. Yeah. Um, I really like when Mark has this line where, where Jeremy's like, oh my God, I've got it in. And Mark just says, just relax, dude, and ask her out on a date like I did with Dobby. Yes. And in his, this, like the smirk in the way he says it, he just thinks he's like king shit of fuck mountain. And Jeremy just looks at him and says, just because today was the first time you have ever, ever, ever successfully arranged a date with a woman does not make you Alfie. Yes, which is a great shout out to a, a classic British film, which I take it you've not seen as you put a question mark in your notes over Alfie. Uh, but it's <laughs> yes, a film, it's a, it's a 60s film with Michael Caine in, and he is the titular character who is a bit of a ladies man. They remade it in about 2004 with Jude Law and it was shit. Don't bother with that one, but go and watch the original because it is it's probably my favourite old-timey British film and it is in colour as well for anyone put off by old-timey films in black and white. I will definitely have to check that out. It's very sad, but it's um, but it's really it's really good. And it's I think it might be... I think it was the film that made Michael Caine into the star that he later became so well worth a watch but he is a ladies man and uh mark most certainly is not an alfie character no no he's not and uh at this point they all kind of walk in uh, sophie has already walked into the living room but mark and jeremy walk into the living room um mark again just like last episode kind of chastises sophie about doing the drugs and as laura said uh, Sophie clarifies that they are for Jamie, her brother. Um, yeah, he makes a, a joke about or says that smoking weed while you're pregnant, does that not equal a uh, a career in the Argos stockroom, which made me laugh a lot. Uh, just, I, I don't know what Argo is. I'm Argos assuming it's is like a, a grocery store. It's a, uh, no, it's a catalogue store. So I don't know if you have these over there, but it's like a big warehouse and you pick what you want out of a catalogue and then it comes from a warehouse above on like a conveyor belt and you get it at the counter but it's um great value and very popular oh so it's like a brick and mortar amazon yes yeah yeah it kind of is like that yeah that is exactly what it's like um Dude, but they sell badass. they sell kind of like household goods toys that sort of thing um but you probably don't have to have a incredibly high iq to work there Sorry, any Argos workers listening, but it's, uh, I think, Mark's concerned that about his baby maybe having a career in Argos. Um, Sophie lets them know that the reason for her visit is because she wants to get a DNA sample from both men so she can determine who the father is. Uh, yes, Jeremy is fine with this, but he says that he's got a moral code about anything going up his knob when she gets out. She's got, like, a bag that's got some sample pots and there are these, like, long cotton swabs and he's obviously concerned she's gonna have to stick something up there yeah i love this where jeremy just is uh jeremy just is trying to do everything he can to not get the dna test and you know he says 
he doesn't want his barcode in the database because as a matter of historical record, I have had lots of sex. Yes. Um, um, Jeremy tries to convince her at this point just to take the test on Mark because if it's not Mark's, it's his. But this is where Sophie reveals that she actually also slept with Jeff in the same window and therefore there are three, three potential fathers. Which Jeremy's actually happy about because he says their odds have gone down, which is actually a true statement. Yes. Um, I... We'll say that with absolutely no moral judge- judgment about Sophie sleeping with three men in the same month, do what you like. But I will say that as a woman, I don't have many moral th- uh, codes, ethical codes I stand by. But I would say just sleep with the one man in any one month so you never have that situation arise. <laughs> if I believe in anything, it's that I never <laughs> want to not know who the father of my potential baby is. So fine, just spread them out. Like have a period between each 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 go, I would say. <laughs> oh that's so funny but that's a good peep show life lesson (laughs) yeah exactly if peep show taught me nothing else there you go have a period between partners yes i think that's a a great great philosophy for life but sophie is not stood by that so she has got three potential dads but jeremy points out that actually this puts them in a in a good situation because their odds are dropped I really like how upset that Mark gets. A, like, Mark was not really mad about Sophie sleeping with Jeremy, but Jeff is just like a bridge too far. <laughs> yeah, he's really upset about Jeff. Jeff is, Jeff is the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, and then Jeremy just kind of is like, guys, guys, you know, we're all having a baby together, and that's terrifying and beautiful <laughs> and a very, very terrifying thing. So come on, let's just keep this civil. And Mark, <laughs> Mark goes... When did he become the adult in the room? I paid for all the goddamn dips. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sophie tells them that she's not leaving without cheek swabs. And Mark thinks that if this was in the olden days, he would have just got on a boat and gone to the colonies and would have been long gone by the time the baby arrived. He's not He's not enjoying this advent of DNA technology. I love it when he says, Mark says about the, uh, he's trying to be mature. And he says, you know, and do like you know look at the wider range of zips and uh, Sophie says I'm fine for tzatziki and just completely dismisses poor Mark and we see the table laden with dips and pita bread and crudités and it's like poor old Mark he can't get anything right oh my gosh I love that I love how just dismissive of him she is (laughs) always was really but it's even more pointed now she's not even trying to be nice to him yeah. Uh, so next scene, we have Jeremy approaching Elena's apartment for the first time. I really love this scene because we actually get to see Jez acting nervous around a woman. And in this episode, we have like total role reversal for the most part that I fucking love with Mark being the one that's confident and Jeremy being the one that's like, eh, I don't really know what's going on here. Yeah, um, he's planning on being smooth. And he practices his opening line in his head, which is, hi, I'm Jess, has it hanging? Loads and loads of times, but then it eventually comes out as, hi, I'm Jess, has it hangling? And you just feel awful for him as he crashes and burns on the, at the first opportunity. But Elena just kind of seems not to notice the slip or even just care about it. She... I guess this maybe is a bonus of her not being a native English speaker, is perhaps she didn't hear it in quite the same way we do. Yeah, I feel like that that's a character trait that she has a couple times in this show where um, she doesn't really understand the things that are being said. No, my sister actually, she went out with for a little while, um, a Polish guy, and she said that this was a problem in the relationship was that sometimes there was a, she'd say something that was like funny or like something that, you know, sarcastic and he completely, it would completely 
go unnoticed. And clearly this is an issue if you're going out with a, a non-native speaker of English. <laughs> yeah, she invites Jeremy in and asks if he's there for lunch. Jeremy says, uh, lunch? Well, I am a vegetarian, but I do eat chicken, fish, and posh bacon. And Alina's just like, no, no, no. Lunch is my code word for drugs. And Jeremy gets really excited about that. Yes, Um Elena then tells Jez that he's lucky he caught her because she was going out to look at the Dilfs in the park and Jeremy <laughs> acts astonished and all William Wordsworth says he can't believe they're out in bloom already. But Elena explains that a Dilf is actually a dad I'd like to fuck, which is absolutely Jeremy's dream come true. He can't believe she's actually said fuck in front of him and thinks that maybe she said fuck, maybe if I say fuck, we'll fuck. Yeah. Um, she says that the dads in the park are so cute with their bad haircuts, buggies, and old school trainers. <laughs> this made me laugh a lot because there are certain parts of London. I don't live in one of them, I have to say. I live in a more kind of tattooed dads and tracksuit part of London. But there are some more pleasant parts of London where uh, you go to the park and you see the kind of stay-at-home dads who are a little bit awkward in the park because it's mainly mums and they're, you know, they have generally got bad haircuts and dad jeans and they're pushing their kids on the swing so i could completely imagine these guys yeah uh when she talked about it i just had this vision in my head of the kind of people that she's talking about <laughs> yeah they listen to vinyl they have 200 pound trainers like those are those guys yeah um alina casually mentions that she's not really much of a drug dealer but that a quote friend left the country in a hurry and left her a kilo of grass now You've done because the research I, on this. Yes, because I want to be a good pad, pad, podcaster. <laughs> uh, because I want to be a good podcaster, I feel like it's important to discuss how much fucking money we are talking about here. So a kilo of marijuana is about two and a half pounds. A pound of marijuana is probably about two to three thousand dollars. So we are talking. On the high end, we are talking like roughly eight thousand dollars or five thousand eight hundred pounds of weed. I mean, that, that is her... mad that that this friend has left her this amount of grass, and this got me thinking. Do you think the friend is actually Gail? Do you think that that's who's because she's not in the country at the moment? Do you think she's actually the drug dealer, or do you think it's a, actually a friend? I've always just assumed it was Gail, but Gail never really talks about drugs at all. No. But um, I can't believe how much a, a kilo of, of weed would cost you. That's insane. Yeah. And here's the really crazy thing, Laura. <clears throat> if she sells all of it at a base price of 50 bucks a gram, she would make $7,000 a pound. So she stands to make, I don't know, 16 grand she offer. does later in the episode say that she only works part-time. So maybe this is why she only works part-time, because the rest of the time she's being a drug dealer. This scene is really funny because Jeremy is just so shook. Like, he's trying to do the exchange with Elena, and he's handing her the money, and his hands are shaking, and he's just like, heart racing, hands shaking, must reboot. And he just looks at Elena, and he goes, I just get like that when I haven't had a smoke in a while. And then he pauses and he's like, I'm not a junkie, just excited. Oh, I just love drugs. <laughs> yeah, and he just comes across as a complete weirdo here. And it's a miracle that anything ever gets off the ground with Elena because I would be running for the hills with this guy, I have to say. Um... <laughs> I just love I just love that when he's just like, 
<laughs> I just get like that when I haven't had a smoke in a while. <laughs> and then just wants to clarify, but I am not a junkie. <laughs> I just love drugs. He, um, I, so the, I talked about this guy on the podcast before, a guy I went out with who was, I met on a train, who was impossibly posh and impossibly rich, was being bankrolled by his dad. And he lived in Kensington, which is a very nice part of London. It's um, it's where the, I don't know, the Queen lives in Westminster, but it's, it's near where the Queen lives. It's lovely over there. And he, um, he had a drug dealer in Shepherd's Bush who was, she was in a tower block and it was all a bit unpleasant. And he used to go over there to get his weed and used to come back with stories about it. And he, um, and this made me think of that, of like the person who's completely not au fait with buying drugs or drug culture, but he's just trying to, you know, play cool. And that's what Jesse's doing here. And it just isn't working. Yeah. And then uh, he tries to kind of steer away the conversation from drugs. And he just is like, hmm, nice temperature in here. What is it? And Elaine, of course, have no fucking idea what her thermostat is set to. So he just says, oh, do you mind? And she's like, oh, go ahead. And he looks at her thermostat and he's like, 23 degrees. Nice. Yeah, and he clearly thinks this is a really smooth line and it just so isn't. Like, it's really funny to to see him trying to be smooth over this. Now, I know that you and I never talked about Tony's apartment. Well, I don't know if you and I, I mean, maybe we have. I don't remember. I don't think we did, no. Did you notice that Elena's apartment is laid out exactly like Mark and Jeremy's apartment, just a totally different color? Oh, do you think it's... Was Tony's not then? Was Tony Tony's was quite different, wasn't it? it? Had quite a different living room situation. I seem to remember. Yes, her apartment was laid out way different than Mark and Jeremy. Maybe, maybe there, maybe Elena's apartment is like on the floor above or below, but directly underneath. So maybe Mark and Jesse's is on a corner or something like that. Because I remember when I lived in halls of residence at university, my room was quite different to other people's, but it was on a corner, and they all going up were the same across the building so maybe that's why maybe it is a mirror image hmm i'm no you architect smarter... but that's my theory <laughs> you are a smarter person than i am laura or it's just the same set with a different colored wall for the hallway i actually think that that's what it is yeah but... <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so some time has next scene we are back in apollo house and some time has gone by it is not clear it's at least a week right do you think that's true so it's the night of the day and we established that Mark went to the um, laser quest on the Sunday, didn't we? And the date is happening oh, on the Friday. Yeah. So I guess it is five days later. Okay. Um, Mark is still combating the control panel of the boiler. And he still just can't figure out how to use it. I'm uh, with him. Jeremy's... My boiler is similarly mad. And in the recent cold snap we had, the pressure dropped and it, it went insane. And Phil was at work. Not that Phil would be any better, but Phil would be able to ring his friend Sam, who's a plumber. Um, but I didn't want to ring Sam just on my own because I thought he'd, he would laugh at me. So I YouTubed this and I was trying to up the pressure on my boiler. And it was it was just like this. It was making noises. The computer panel was flashing. I did get it to work, but that was better luck than judgment. Um, Jeremy says that it's the Jesus and Mary chain of central heating control systems hard to get into initially, but then so much to explore. I know that you, as our official peep show music correspondent, have you heard of Jesus and Mary chain before? Yeah. So they're they're a Scottish band from the eighties. They had a few hits. I mean, I think they're still going actually, although they must be pretty old at this point. Um, they had 
a few hits in the 80s uh, that were sort of wide, well known over here. Happy When It Rains uh, was one and Just Like Honey was the other big one. Uh, but they are post-punk excruciating to listen to. They're not my cup of tea, but maybe I've just not pushed through. Maybe Jeremy's right. Maybe I need to, you know, get into them and then there'll be so much to explore. Mark asked Jeremy if Elena has to come over tonight. Jeremy says that she does because he's going to go broke buying so much weed from her. And um, Jeremy says that his thing with Elena isn't really a date. They are just two people who happen to have perfectly matching genitalia. Yeah, uh, which is a really creepy way of putting any kind of meeting with a woman. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> Mark um, just says he needs space to operate with Dobby so that he can't be crowded. Um, and Jeremy says that's fine because they're just going to be getting high and then slipping from that to... And he kind of makes a sexy doggy style motion, which is grim. <laughs> Yeah, he does like he's like <laughs> while like thrusting his hips forward and like smacking an imaginary ass and Mark just looks disgusted and he says, Making love for behind and then slapping a woman on the ass. Since when did that become the inter international sign of a mutually loving sexual experience? <laughs> yeah. And Jeremy says, uh, once they've done that they're gonna graduate to some backdoor action and Mark is just appalled by this much as he is back in season two when Jeremy says that you don't need love when you're doing it out the bum. Uh, Mark says, look, why do you have to see that anus as some kind of human USB port? This is not what everyone's interested in. And Jeremy's like, they are. <laughs> you know, but I think that Mark is being very, uh, uh, being a huge asshole here. Cause I mean, as long as it's consensual, like, Hey, you know, yeah, different I, strokes I, for different folks. I agree with you. I think, uh, I think it's just to do with Mark's naivety and inexperience, isn't it? Oh, yes, ag agree 100%. Yeah. Um, Jeremy looks at Mark and he wonders why he's dressed like Des Lynam. I just need your help here, Laura. Uh, so Des Lynam was the uh, former, uh, I think he's still alive. Hang on, I'm going to look into that. Yeah, he is. He is still alive, but he is, is he's 75 apparently. Um, and he used to present Match of the Day and Grandstand and he was like a sports guy for the BBC. Um, he was an old guy even then who dressed in a very dad-like fashion. So that's what Jeremy's alluding to here. Ah, see, I knew that you would be able to help me <laughs> understand that. Um, Jeremy, um, sorry, Mark then loses his shit and kicks the boiler and says that it needs to command. He said, obey my commands, Orac, which I need your help with because I assume this is some sort of Star Wars thing or something because I don't understand it. Close, it's Doctor Who. Ah, okay. So I don't know a huge amount about Doctor Who. My sister knows loads about Doctor Who, so I should have asked her. Ah, uh, I just... It's so weird to meet a British person that doesn't like Doctor Who. Yeah, I mean, I, know, I can know it. And I and when it first came back and it had Christopher Eccleston in it, I did watch that series. But I'm just not a sci-fi person, really. And that was more to do with me quite fancying Christopher Eccleston than it was to do with me really You didn't have a Doctor crush Who. on... You didn't have a crush on David Tennant after that? No, I think he looks like he's got clammy hands. I don't understand the whole David Tennant thing. Oh my god, I... David Tennant is on my list of people I would cheat on my wife with. <laughs> You'd go gay for Tennant. Oh. I would go super gay for Tennant. <laughs> uh, well, he was, yeah, people loved him, but um, no, not not my thing. I think the thing that the thing that holds me back from David Tennant is the first thing I ever saw him in, which was probably about 15 or 20 years ago now, 
he played a serial killer and I, that's never left me like he did it too well and i just think yeah he looks oh like my he god do a killing in uh jessica jones which is one of the marvel netflix series he's the villain in the first season and he is fucking incredible yeah like i think he's actually quite a good actor so i think it's probably testament to his acting that it's never left me that i think he could kill me with his bare hands <laughs> <laughs> they then further argue about the temperature in the apartment uh, Jeremy says to turn it up to 30 so that the women will want to take their clothes off. And Mark says that it needs to go no higher than 17 because you want it cold so the women will snug up, snuggle up to you. Mark also thinks that frugality is very attractive in a man. So, you know, keeping the apartment cold, just another way to show your frugality. What do you think? Because I, I realized that without even having ever thought about it before, I had a clear, if I was trying to seduce someone, I had a clear temperature in mind do you think it should be hot or cold in the in the house well <laughs> i think it should be comfortable because you know when you're getting into action you don't want to be sweating like a pig that's true i think if i think I, i'm on jeremy's side here i think if i was thinking of like how to get someone feeling sexy i'd want them to take their clothes off rather than put them on so i think i'm on jeremy's side about this and also frugality really isn't attractive in a man mark yep um Let's see here. Oh, yeah. Then at that point, the doorbell rings and there's two youths standing outside the door and they're like, here, we're here for Jez and we're here for lunch. And Mark just looks at him and says, Jeremy, there's two children here who want to have lunch with you. <laughs> yeah. And before Mark can really say anything further, Jeremy just hands them a bag of weed and they go and Mark looks at Jeremy disapprovingly. And Jeremy says, look, just because he's sort of selling a bit of drugs doesn't make him a drug dealer, which Mark looks wholly unconvinced by as an argument. Yeah, and then Jeremy just says, come Mr. Taliban, tally me bananas. <laughs> yeah, which is funny but strange. Yeah. Um, this next scene, so, you know, one thing I never realized about this episode was that so much of this episode happens and it alter. it's just you, basically so much of this episode happens at Friday night and we flip back and forth between the two characters seeing their views and on what's going on. It's, it was incredible to me about how much of this episode was just packed like, into like the last 15 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say the second half is a lot of action. A lot of things suddenly start happening. Um, so they're hanging out in the room in, in Jeremy's partially orange painted room, which always makes me smile whenever we're in there. And Jeremy begins to talk and asks... Elena what she does as a job which I uh, see so you've put in your notes is a very unjust question which it is actually but I guess he's trying to pretend to be a real person mm -hmm. um, she says that she works part time as a legal secretary helping with human rights, asylum seekers, torture victims and all that jazz but her real passion is music. Yeah and this couldn't be more perfect for Jeremy obviously um, he thinks that she's a musician who devotes her, devotes her life to helping losers and he, of course, then mentions that he too is a musician. Um, but she, it turns out, is a real musician because she can play multiple instruments. But when she asks just what he plays, he, he doesn't really have an answer. He dabbles, is what he says. Yeah, he toots, he strums, and he bongos. <laughs> and Elena's like, oh, that's great. I love the bongos. And she tells him, she asks him to play something for him. And she points to the bongos. And he just says, oh, those aren't real bongos. They're a table shaped like bongos. <laughs> Yeah. Elena then asks Jeremy what he does when he's up bongoing and he tells her that he used to be a male nurse which obviously back in series one he, he mentioned previously 
Um, and it made me realise that we never really hear anything more about this. And I'd like to know more about when Jeremy was a nurse. Oh my God. I would have loved to have seen Jeremy at the hospital. He can't have done it for very long though, because when you think about the time frame, there are only like a th- three or four years between when they must have graduated and the beginning of series one. So I can't imagine that he did it for very long. Yeah, uh, Elena asked Jeremy why he stopped, and he thinks to himself, disgust for having to help people in need. <laughs> but out, but out loud, he says, "The white coat, the white coats couldn't handle my whole Patch Adams approach. I believe a person should be treated as a human being and not a mere set of steel pipes." And um, this made me wonder if he maybe knew about Patch Adams because of when he was married to Nancy and <laughs> used to have to watch sappy Robin Williams films. So maybe that was a that was something that. He is a knowledge oh. from being married to Nancy. Oh my God! Yes, that was probably exactly when he heard Patch Adams. <laughs> um, in an attempt to then impress Elena, he casually mentions that he's going to be having a baby. Um, she then asks, oh, "Were you in a relationship?" And he says, "No, no, a million times, no." <laughs> yeah. Um, no. 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 Um, no. He says that he's just helping out a friend who's in desperate need and says that he's a he's a very strong feminist, so he believes that women should have whatever mad shit they want. Happy International Women's Day, Laura. <laughs> yeah, that is my that is my favourite interna- quote for International Women's Day. Um, he says that he just loves the whole man-baby thing, teaching them how to tie things, holding a baby in the palm of his hand whilst making an espresso. It's quite clear that he uh, has never encountered a baby, I think. Did you ever hold Esther or Sadie in the palm of your hand whilst making an espresso? No, because they came out at about seven pounds, which is not really in your hand territory. And uh, I probably did hold them while making a coffee, to be fair, because I didn't sleep much when they were little, but not in the palm of my hand. Did you have one of those like little mommy slings on the front? I did have one of those. I had one of those for Sadie because she wouldn't be put down. But Esther wasn't into it. She would scream like a cat whenever I put her in the uh, the papoose. So, but Sadie loved it. Oh, I didn't realize that thing actually had a name. Yeah, I think they're a papoose. Like, yeah, like a baby carrier. Uh, the scene ends with Jeremy wondering if all the men in Russia are infertile thanks to Chernobyl. Yes, uh, which they probably are. The, the effects of Chernobyl have gone far and wide, and maybe that's why Elena's come over here. Although she, it's never established that she's Russian, so that might just be racist. <laughs> the next scene we cut to the living room where Mark and Dobby are watching the golf for some reason on the telly whilst drinking lager and whiskey yeah can you think of anything more romantic than watching golf while getting fucking trashed no it's an odd thing to be doing isn't it but then you know they're an odd pair so they're probably enjoying it and um, Mark yeah. thinks about this being the time to make his move um, and sort of goes to kiss her but Dobby stops him and says that she likes him, but, you know, she's got all the dates happening and she wants the dust to settle with the other dates before she, you know, does anything with him. Yeah, I like when she asks him if he's getting ready to lunge and Mark is just like, oh, should I have gotten permission to lunge, signed out and signed up and filed out in triplicates or something like that? <laughs> yeah, um, but she sort of makes it clear. She says that she likes him and he he takes that to be a kind of... Uh, you know, a good sign, obviously. Yeah, so that's why I have some issue with some stuff that happens later is because she makes it very clear that she does not want to kiss Mark right now. Yes, so yeah, yeah. Let's just, you know, let's just like keep that in mind. She says, you know, I like you, but I don't want to do this tonight. Yeah. Um, he's really happy, though, that she says she likes him. And at this point, Sophie rings him on his mobile and he cancels the call. 
Yep. And he says, I'm canceling you out of shame like my subscription to White Dwarf. Laura, did you get that joke? Not entirely, but I assumed only just from the dwarf reference that White Dwarf might have been maybe the magazine that he was subscribed to that Jeremy found all the way back in series one or two, you know, with the elves and the pixies. Maybe it was that magazine, but that's just conjecture. That was just what I took it to mean. So White Dwarf is a magazine that is published by Gamers Workshop. Gamers Workshop, of course, makes Warhammer, Warhammer 40,000, Lord of the Rings, a bunch of other like small scale um, miniature war games. So I'm sure that Curtin probably also subscribes to White Dwarf. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he does. So I wasn't far off then. That is probably No, you were is. pretty close. Yeah. Um, uh, Davi asked Mark who was calling and he said, oh, it was the bank. And he thinks to the, himself, the sperm bank where I bank my sperm. <laughs> it's yeah. a very grim way of looking at a woman's body. Yeah, really grim. Um, we then cut to Jeremy's bedroom again. And this is the very famous fuck you bush. Yes, I like this scene. I like this poem. So we're just going to go ahead and play this whole thing. Okay. And my other passion is poetry. Oh, wow. Really? Because uh, I dabble. Oh. Sure, I dabble. Like Da Vinci dabbled in art. Fuck you bush. That sounds good. Yeah, I wrote that some time ago, but uh, it's still pretty savage. Go on. Really? Oh, okay, well. Fuck you, Bush. Fuck you, Bush. It's time to get out of Iraq, Bush. What were you even doing there in the first place, Bush? You didn't even get properly elected, Bush. Are you happy now, Bush? Fuck you. Bush. Wow. I love the way the last line is the same as the first line. Thanks. I did that on purpose. <laughs> I I fucking love that poem so much. It's brilliant. It's a work of us a genius. There was a um, time... Hang on. You're right. Um, there was a time about... I think it was last year. It might have been the year before where Robert Webb went on CBeebies, which is a children's television channel run by the BBC here and at the end of the day because it runs from like 6am to 7pm and at the end of the day they have the bedtime hour and the last little bit is always a celebrity reading a story like a children's story and um, (laughs) and Robert Webb went on it and read a children's story but someone made a very funny YouTube video of him in the CBB studio like with the teddy bear reading the story and then it was fuck you Bush and it was hilarious (laughs) Uh, if you can find that, you need to share that. I will. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's easily readily available. I will look for it. Uh, it sounds incredible. Um, <clears throat> at this point, Sophie rings Jeremy since Mark rejected her call, and Sophie tells Jeremy that the test results have come through and the baby is Mark's. Yes. Um. Jeremy does this kind of super exaggerated cheer and is like, "Yes, yes." And Elena's really confused. Um. And he hangs up the call and Jeremy says that the test results came back and the baby's fine. He just likes like hourly updates on how the baby's doing. Yeah. Did the ultimate paternity of Sophie's baby surprise you at all? No, I think I always kind of knew it was going to be Mark's. Um, did it surprise you? I mean, binge watching it, it really didn't. But I kind of think that if maybe I'd had like a year and a half to kind of mull it over... Especially with the revelation that she also slept with Jeff, I could have seen them doing kind of a swerve where it was Jeff's baby. And yeah, then I, the guys kind I, of just go back to status quo. I said this, I think, last week, which was that I definitely did think about it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a foregone conclusion. But I 
but on the other hand i guess it had to be one of theirs for the storyline to make any sense because if it's not one of their babies then who cares we never see sophie again and like they've dedicated that time to sophie so it was going to be one of their babies but i think i always yeah. just assumed it would be marks because his luck is so dreadful that of course it was marks yeah uh, that's a good point i guess i didn't think about it in those terms um at this point, Jeremy breaks out this bottle of champagne and begins to pour some for both of them. Right after this, Mark just like kind of sticks his head in the door and to ask Jeremy how to work the thermostat, and then he just kind of looks at Jeremy. And he's just like, "Hey, what's going on here?" Um, yes, and Elena says that he just got a call from Sophie about the baby, and Jeremy tries to deflect the conversation, but she specifically says about his baby, and Mark's like, "Your baby," and he says, "Look, let's talk about this later." And Mark is like, "Yeah, okay, we can." I just want to clarify, it's your baby. And of course, Jeremy has to agree because Elena's right there. Yeah, and Jeremy just says, well, it's mine, obviously. And Mark just like, Mark all of a sudden weighs 300 pounds less. He he walks in, he gives Jeremy like a kiss on his head. And he's like <laughs> so fucking excited and happy. And But he's also trying to disguise his happiness and Jeremy keeps saying, yeah, well, we should talk later. We should talk later. But Mark is just way too excited to listen to Jeremy right now. Yeah. Um, he says that he'll like definitely be there for him and like talk it all through. But he's just thrilled. Yeah. Uh, next scene, Mark just kind of strides into the living room. He just grabs Dobby and he just kisses her. And this is what I was saying is that like, I mean, obviously Dobby is not upset that Mark kissed her here. But like he just, you know. She made it clear she wanted to do one thing, and Mark just said, you know what, fuck that. Yeah, I mean, it is a little bit dubious, perhaps, but I guess that she doesn't say, oh my god, get off me, or like not kiss him back, so I suppose we have to assume that maybe she was just trying to be fair to Gerard. I think it's clear that she likes Mark a lot more than she likes Gerard, and, and maybe she was just trying to be really fair, and she's a fair person, but now that he's kind of thrown himself at her and done the big kind of gesture, that she's perfectly happy about that. Yep, and Dobby just says, you know what, screw it. If we want to do it, shall we do it? And Mark just says, nothing is stopping us, and they kiss again. And Dobby looks really happy here. And then she kind of just looks at Mark, and she just gives him this look, and she just asks to excuse her for a minute. And then she walks out of the uh, living room. Yes, she says she needs a minute to get ready. I don't know what that means. Presumably she's freshening up, and she disappears. Yep. I feel so terrible for Dobby in this episode. Yeah, like, she's she's not treated great. I would think it would be fair to say for like probably the next about 12 episodes, she's treated quite badly by Mark. Yeah. And, you know, all she wants is, all Dobby wants is like a nice guy to treat her well and be a nerd with. And she instead ends up with Mark. Yeah. And on paper, Mark should be that guy, but he's, you know... He's got a lot of other shit going on. Yeah. Yeah, she meets him at a weird time in his life. Yeah. <laughs> um, this next... Uh, so as soon as Dobby leaves, Jeremy walks in and he closes the door and he just says, Hey, Mark, can we have a quick conversation? And I'm going to go ahead and just play this next part because it's incredible. Okay. For the first time in 25 years, I'm free of a creeping sense of dread. I need to speak to you, Mark. Can we do the whole emotional splurge later? I, I can tell you how it all might be a good thing and buck you up later. Yeah. Um, look. The thing is, contrary to what I said a few seconds ago, it is actually definitely 
your baby. I'm sorry, what? Sophie told me. Yeah, and, and now do your joke? What, what's the punchline? The results came. Honestly, it's yours. Then why the fuck did you tell me it was yours? Did, did you get mixed up? Did you misremember? Because I really think I would tend to remember something like this. Look, I know it sounds weird, but I told Elena I was having a baby. Why? Because it was the only thing I could think of that made me sound like a proper person. You total fucking shitting bastard! I know. I know I am. You must hate me. Yes! Yes, I do! I'm really sorry, dude. Um, you can hit me, if you like. Or, uh, or even fork me. I'm not gonna fork you, Jeremy. Fork my leg. I, I do quite want to, but no, too weird. Well, you've got to fork something. Fork my bag. Your bag? Go on, stab my stuff. Fork it to smithereens. Yeah, that's it. Go on, really go for it. My stupid bloody special date dinner. All stabbed to shit just like I deserve. <laughs> oh, nice one. Equals pequels. We are not equals pequels. <laughs> I... I fucking love this scene. I love We Are Not Equals Pequels. I like Fork My Bag. I like when he's trying to get Mark to fork him in the leg and just, you know. <laughs> I like that Jeremy thinks this is this is decent payback. Like, it's really, like, it's really what would happen in the playground of, like, look, yeah, I lied to you. You forked me. And he, and you can see that Jeremy just totally thinks that, that would, that's reasonable. Like, if he gets a fork in, then they're equal. <laughs> Yeah, I love that, where he's just like, okay, here we are, equals pequels, and Mark just looks at him and just says, we are not equals pequels, and I fucking love this line so much, and I try to use it as much as I can. Yeah, me too. Um, with the weight of the world now back on his shoulders, Mark goes to look for Dobby, and finds her in the bed, seemingly ready for action, and he doesn't know what to do with this. No, he... Wants to have sex with Dobby, but he also can't stop thinking about his baby. And he tries to think about Dobby's breasts, but he can only think about how they are used to feed babies. Lovely nipples, primarily used for feeding of babies. She calls uh, him baby, doesn't she, as well? <laughs> yeah, which further triggers him. Yeah. Um, and he just can't stop thinking about, understandably can't stop thinking about the baby. He's thinking about secondhand baby stuff and if they get should, should they get the child vaccinated with the MMR and Dobby's just confused by all of this and sort of breaks away from the kissing and says are you okay and he says yeah yeah I'm fine do you happen to know what the school the kids on Long Street in the blue uniforms go to is is a Catholic school and she just looks at him like he's bananas which obviously you would think he was bananas and he says no it's fine Austin will have a website yeah, uh, this next scene is very funny here. Mark, who still has his shirt and underwear on, is like, okay, let's get to the sex. Uh, okay, condoms, gonna put a condom on, and he rolls over and he takes a condom out, and then he was like, maybe I'll double bag it just to be safe. Yeah. And then Davi just looks at him and she's like, two condoms? And he's like, yeah, you're right. Three is the magic number. <laughs> Actually, a little bit of a... I'm sure you know this, but this was something we were always taught at school in sex education is that, you know, that actually is really dangerous. If you put two condoms on top of each other, they're more likely to break. So don't do that. That's not that's not a good method. Yes, this is a peep show life tip. Do not double bag it. <laughs> yeah, period between partners and don't double bag it. There you go. That's that's all the sex ed you need. Man, they should just play this episode for all your kids' sex ed classes over <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> He realises at this point that he has to tell 
Dobby what's going on because he couldn't possibly do it anyway. I love this when he thinks, I couldn't slide this anyways. It'd be like trying to cling film an earthworm. (laughs) It's a very funny line. It's, it's, It's completely gross because we all know exactly what he means. I... For some reason, I had never caught that line before until I was doing the notes for this episode, and I had to stop because I was laughing for about, I don't know, two minutes straight, <laughs> just with this visual in my head. <laughs> I mean, poor Mark, it's not, I mean, poor both of them. This is not a sexy situation, is it? He's still got his jumper on. He's just found out he's going to be a father. He's got three condoms out. Like, it's just all really grim. Yeah, and um, then then he just is like, "Is it, Dobby? I have a question for you." And she's like, "Yeah, what?" And he's like, "Is it is it hot in here?" Because I, I think it's just. And she's like, he, and he just is like, I, "I just think it's too damn hot." And he just gets out of bed and he puts his pants on, and um, then we cut to the kitchen. Yes, um, Jeremy and Elena are standing there. Jeremy is trying to impress. Uh, Elena by cracking an egg into a bowl with one hand and he says it's the classic one egg omelette which is is clear his repertoire of impressing women isn't great yeah but I was actually impressed that he was able to crack an egg with one hand and get the yolk in there perfectly that's true he does do a good job like I have trouble keeping the yolk intact if I use two hands so he's done a good job there um, we then hear this really loud banging like mad banging with Mark yelling fuck at the top of his voice and Jeremy is obviously confused by this he thinks is he having the hardest sex ever but then when he looks around the door he sees that mark is kicking the shit out of the boiler and he's like oh of course not yeah dobby walks out of the bedroom after getting dressed and elena asks dobby if she's okay and dobby just says i just want a massive drink of any booze you have (laughs) yeah we've all been there dobby oh yeah (laughs) And then Elena hands Dobby a glass of champagne and says, they are toasting to Jeremy's baby. And she's just like, oh, what the fuck? She looks so confused. And Mark is just like, oh, I can't believe I forgot to tell you that Jeremy was having a baby. Yeah. Um, at this point, the doorbell rings and Jeremy goes to see who it is and quickly comes back and looks terrified and is furtive and says he wants to talk to Mark out in the corridor. So he takes him outside and says it's Sophie at the door. I saw her through the peephole. She might have sensed movement. <laughs> um, this, you know, the one thing I like about Peep Show is that it's not very slapstick, but I feel like that this whole scene right here is like very slapstick. Yeah, comedy. it reminds me of the very funny scene back in, I think it's in series two or three, where they, uh, where Mark gives Jeff a broom in through the letterbox. It's a similar kind of oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, Davi Davi asks if anybody's going to answer the door and Mark says, oh, probably not going to bother. It's probably just the crazy old guy who keeps ringing our doorbell. If you answer, he tries to grab your balls and make you buy a rough guide to Barcelona. Yes, and Jeremy's really impressed with his lion technique. He's like, wow, that's some quick lion. Yeah, he's like, where did that come from? <laughs> um, Mark then goes to the door to take care of the situation. Um, but very quickly, we hear this blood-curdling scream. And Jeremy's like, what happened? Did he let her in? Has she torn his throat out? The three that are in the kitchen, they kind of walk to the front door and Mark is just like, oh my God, you wouldn't believe how much voltage goes through that little thing. It packs a punch. He was basically trying to disconnect the doorbell. Yes, this really made me laugh because I once electrocuted myself on some uh, Christmas lights and it was the same thing that you wouldn't think much voltage goes through those bad boys, but man, it certainly does. 
Oh my god. Uh, when we moved into our apartment, our dryers that we have here either have four prong uh, a power cable or a three prong. And the four prong, I think, has a ground. I honestly do not know what the fucking difference is. I am not an electrician at all. <laughs> um, all I know is that I had to swap the cables around. Right. And my brother-in-law was like, oh, yeah, it's, like, super easy to do. You know, just follow the instructions. Like, don't electrocute yourself. I was like, all right, fair enough. Well, apparently I had one of the... <laughs> One of the exposed cables touching the metal on the back of the dryer. Oh, shit. And when I turned the dryer on, I had to move it. I had to scoot it back, and I put my hand on the back of the dryer, and I just electrocuted the fuck out of myself. Like, I went flying back, and Nicole came in. My heart was, like, pounding through my chest, you know? It's the most horrible Nicole... feeling, that kind of, like, oh my yeah, God. it's unpleasant. Yeah, I don't know what the metric conversion for 240 volts is, but... Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what voltage we're on. I know that we have three, so we have three prongs on our plug, so that so that it's always grounded. So that can't happen in theory, but clearly sometimes it can because I electrocuted myself on Christmas lights in the UK. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, at this point, uh, uh Mark kind of Mark and Jeremy just kind of shoo the women away from the front door while Mark says he's going to deal with the situation. Oh yeah, but Dobby uh, has a very funny line here where she's like, "Well, I'll just tell him to fuck off," and he's like, "No, no, you go and like shoes the women out." Yeah, um, Mark in his head, his internal monologue in the scene is so funny where he's just he's getting ready to open the door and he's like, "Decompression about to occur, <laughs> airlock opening." And he opens the door, and it's just Sophie, and she just looks at him, and she's like, well, what the fuck was that? And she just goes storming into the apartment, just straight into the kitchen, fuck everything. Yeah. Um, Dobby and Elena look confused at this. Mark confesses the truth, which is that Sophie is pregnant, and the baby is his. He tries to put it off as being no biggie, and this is the point at which Dobby's confused, and she's like, you're both having babies. And Mark says, well, no, not quite. And he sort of waves her into the living room so they can talk privately. And at this point, Sophie walks out of the kitchen because Jeff just called her back and she's like, thanks for ringing me back, Jeff. Um, and it's sort of chaos, paternal chaos. Yes. Um, in the kitchen, Elena begins to talk to Jeremy and she's, um, you know, she's like, can, she's like, oh, I'm so confused. I, I thought that Sophie said the baby was yours in, or, um, excuse me. She said, you told me the baby was yours, but Sophie just said, she said on the phone that the baby was Mark's, and Jeremy just is like, oh, yeah, that is weird. Maybe it changed in the womb. Can they do that? <laughs> um, and then he just thinks, you know, hell forever, what the fuck, I'm just going to tell her the truth. And he becomes compelled to just drop the truth bomb on her, and he tells Elena that he lied because she's beautiful and intelligent and sexy and cool, and he wanted to try to impress her, but the fact is that he looks like a proper person, but he is, in fact, not a proper person. And that, yeah, then we don't really see much of, well, I guess we don't see Jeremy or Elena. So I think we can infer that Elena thought that that was a sweet comment. Yes, it definitely worked on her. Yeah, I like that where Jeremy's just like, I truthed it. I truthed her. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, meanwhile, back in the living room, Dobby is really upset with Mark, and I do not fucking blame her at all. No, I mean, actually, I think it's more... Um, surprising that she ever returns or that we ever see Dobby again because I think I would be never speaking to this guy again. 
Yeah. Oh, no, I agree with you, you know, wholehearted. She asked why he didn't tell her sooner. And she wonders if he was trying to impregnate her as well. And Mark says... Get a two for one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Get your money's worth. Get your money's worth. Mark says they didn't want to ruin the mood. And Dobby says really hot. She's like quite heartfelt in this. And she looks at him and she just says, Mark, you really fucked this. And you can really sort of sense the sadness here. Yeah. uh, It's it's so hard. It's so hard to watch because she just looks at him and she just says, Mark, man, you really fuck this. And Mark just says, but you know, the good news is, is that's why I was so weird in bed. It wasn't bad technique. And Davi just goes, whoop-de-doo, and then turns around and walks out. Yeah. Um, and then he says that it's going to be fine because he's going to send her an e-card. The e-card will make it better. Is that the most 2000s thing ever, is the e-card? I think it might be the most naughty's reference yet. There's um, who's sending e-cards these days. That's that's not happening, is it? It's, it's not a thing anymore. No. No. Um, as Dobby walks out, Sophie walks in and they kind of start to talk about um, what they're going to do with the baby. But before Sophie can even really keep the conversation going, Mark just says, you know, hold on, hold on. I just got a question for you. And she's like, what? And he's like, is it is it hot in here? And Sophie just says, oh, I don't I don't know a bit. And Mark just is so excited. And he's like. Did you hear that, Jeremy? Sophie says it's too hot in here. I was right, so shove that up your bollocks. <laughs> yeah, any victory at this point for Mark. The night's gone so yep. badly that he's just happy to have a victory. Yep, and episode ends, and series six continues to roll with another really great episode. Yeah, it was much better than I remember it, um, and i totally forgotten that this was the episode with Fuck You Bush, which really, really made me laugh. So, uh, going into your ratings... Would you have changed where you put this episode? Let me check where I put it. The test. Uh, Yes, I think I would put it higher up now, thinking about it. Okay, so I'm going to guess... Have we talked about episode number 40? Yes. Okay. I'm going to go with, and I know that we talked about 30, I think we talked about 39 before as well, right? Yes. Okay, have we done 38 or 37? We've done 38, but not 37. Okay, which one was 38? Sister in. Okay, I'm going to go with 41 on this episode. Well, you're not far off. I've put it at 47, but I now think that's a bit unfair. I probably would move it up a bit because it's right in the Ooh. bottom third, and I don't actually think it's a bottom third episode. I would. I did not think this was, like, bottom 10 no, level. I would probably swap it around up to, yeah, kind of, like, maybe 35 even. I might take it up to if I was redoing the list and being more generous, but I'd remembered this one as being much less funny than it is. Yeah, that's, I mean, man, like I said, you know, when we talked about going into Series 6, I was super concerned because I was really worried about these episodes, and um, yeah, really on a roll here. I think the issue maybe with Series 6 is that there's quite a lot of, like, stuff that we previously, people that we either previously didn't know, like with Elena... Or maybe by the time we got to series six, 
if we were watching it live, I don't know if it was the same if you were binge watching it. I was so over the whole Sophie thing. I was like, I don't care about Sophie. You've married her and then divorced her really quickly. And I think I was kind of that coloured how I felt about Series 6 at the time. Mm-hmm. It needed fresh blood and it wasn't quite doing that for me. But watching it now on a on a rewatch, you know, it's it definitely is much funnier than I remember it being. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of funny shows... Dude, This Country, episode two, Threatening Letters, fucking incredible. Even better than episode one, which I really enjoyed episode one, but episode two was just brilliant. The return of Mandy was fantastic. I was so happy to see Mandy back. And Mandy's episode in series one was one of my favourites, but if anything, this was even an even funnier Mandy episode, I thought. Oh, and I was also super excited to get Martin back too. <laughs> yeah, I love him. I love it. I think he's my favourite thing in it. And I just, all that stuff with um, Curtin being at work with Martin was brilliant. And just completely how I would be in a manual job, I think. I can't imagine, I cannot imagine doing a manual job. I'd be so shit at it. And I really felt for Curtin as he couldn't push that wheelbarrow. Oh, oh God, that was so funny. Well, I will also say that that was also very poorly designed. Whoever decided that that was going to be the way they were going to get the wheelbarrow into the uh, into the dumpster. Yeah, I've seen it done, but with a much thicker piece of wood. That was a very thin piece yeah. of wood for it to work. Um, yeah. I really, really, really enjoyed as well. There was a deleted scene, which the guy who played, um, I can't remember his name, but the guy that was working with Martin. Dan. Dan, yeah. The guy who played him tweeted it out and it was a um like a deleted scene of them in the pub like that yes i extended, watched that. yeah of them just and they were just freestyling i think it was like improvised and it was so funny and the bit that they included in the pub was brilliant as well oh my god the part where curtain is talking about the swindon football club and um <laughs> what's the name of the football player that he's oh actually i can't remember about? but then when dan says to him like he played darts with his dad, and if anything, he sees him as a son, so don't be slagging him off. Yeah. I tell you what, uh, if you ever have an idea for a joke, you tell me the joke. If I think it's funny, <laughs> I'll go and tell Martin, and then I'll report back to you what Martin thought about it. <laughs> and that's without even mentioning your theory that Kerry's asexual now, which I completely agree with. Like, it was, it was, it was very funny the way Kerry's sexuality or lack of sexuality was handled in this episode. Oh my god, the part where she says, um, you know, fighting and violence I can handle, but I don't know anything about the sexual stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's not my area. And when she's... Oh yeah, uh... the, sex area, the sex stuff is not my area and when of expertise. She, I really laugh when she's later on after the letters are, when, when Curtin's trying to kind of delicately explain to her what's going on, and it's like, well, you're beating him up, but he's not beating you up. And she's just completely in the dark about this. She doesn't understand it at all. And it's just really well written and it's really well played. Oh my god, when she starts yelling at Dan and he gets aroused while she's yelling at him. <laughs> I um, oh my god. I also really enjoyed the the kind of the moment where I don't know if you thought, but me and Phil both thought that Mandy was gonna end up being the stalker and the moment when she's explaining about how she used to be a stalker and how she used to get her stalking done and how, how well that was executed as well. Yeah, that tweet got retweeted by BBC three. <laughs> it did, it did. Um that was it's just it's just all great and i'm so glad we've still got another four episodes of this country to come and i'm really looking forward to mondays at the moment to watch them oh my god i feel like that they front-loaded the season so far though because we've had two just 
absolutely phenomenal episodes back to back. Well, the WTAF guys, because they saw the preview, they saw series episode four, I believe, and they said that was an absolute banger as well. So uh, maybe they're just all brilliant this season. Let's hope so. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I. Yeah. This country is fantastic. Yeah, it's absolutely the best thing airing on British TV at the moment. Like it's the funniest thing. That's it's. I'd say it's one of the funniest comedies that's been around for a good 10, 15 years. Like, it's original, it's it's got heart, it's funny. There's, there's nothing nothing I don't like about it. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that always cracks me up is I know when you're watching either Married at First Sight or Mum, because all of a sudden my phone will just start blowing <laughs> up with Twitter activity. I'm really sad that Married at First Sight is now finished, because our Married at First Sight is really short compared to the American version, and it was only four episodes, so... I'm now thinking, I did watch one of the American series because it was on all four, and I'm now thinking I'm going to have to go and watch the American ones because there's like 12 episodes in those, and that's what I need in my life. I'm I'm heavily invested in the Married at First Sight format. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> was uh, there anything else that... Oh, sorry, go on. I was going to say, is there anything else that you've been watching? Um, I haven't been watching anything, but I have, I've been listening to a new podcast that I wanted to just talk about um, briefly, which was that... Um, so on Friday night, I went to see... No, you can't promote the podcast that you're trying to <laughs> cheat on me with. It's really good. It's really worth listening to. So on Friday night, I went to see Morrissey at Alexandra Palace with my sister. Um, I don't think I've ever previously really talked about my love of Morrissey, but I I love Morrissey. I'm a bit odd for Morrissey, probably. Um, he, I just, I love him. It was the 25th time I'd seen him in concert in... 12, 12 years so i've seen him a lot this was my 25th time it was my sister's first time um and it was awesome we got absolutely drowned and they because it was raining and they didn't let us in for ages and then we got frisked because they were frisking everyone and it was a lot to go through but we were we got a really good place near the stage we were like six back from the stage and we were really close to him and he was brilliant he did a great set um but our, before he came on stage i spent my time on twitter sort of reading other people that were there and seeing what they were tweeting. And there was a guy, uh, Christopher Monroe, who he had in the queue outside, his partner had proposed to him, which I just thought was the most romantic thing ever. Like, I wish Phil had proposed to me at Morrissey gig. That was, that would have, I would have said yes even more than I did. Um, And he does a podcast that is called The Soundtrack to a Life, which is on Twitter. You can find it on Twitter at SoundtrackCast. And he with other people talks about albums that have influenced him. Now I'm not a big music person. Like I love Morrissey and I've got bands that I like and I've got music that I like, but I haven't got a wide general knowledge of music. And the, I went on it originally. I wanted to, um, I'd said to him that I would come on and talk about Morrissey, but I wanted to listen to the podcast that he's done about the queen is dead, which is the Smiths who Morrissey started off in that band. Um, that was their huge album. It was their massive seminal album. And I wanted to listen to that. But he's done about 10 or 11, I think, so far, where he talks about different albums. And most of these I've never listened to and I don't know anything about. But he's got a really comprehensive musical knowledge. He talks with real passion about the the albums that have meant a lot to him. And it's a bit of an education. So if you don't, if you either if you love music and know loads about it, it's worth listening to. But if you don't know loads about music and you want to learn more, then it's a really good listen as well. Like the first one is about... Um, Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars and I like David Bowie well enough but I don't know loads about David Bowie so it was really interesting to listen to and find out more. That was the only album that I recognized on all that entire list. Yeah so um, Phil actually my husband has got a much better musical general knowledge than me so he knew 
a lot more of the albums that they've been talking about. But I, I, I'm always pleased to have someone explain to me in words of one syllable about music and different albums I should be listening to. So it's really worth looking for. Um, and he's on Twitter and he has got a great voice for radio. He's Canadian. He's got a lovely accent and he talks with great passion about these albums. So well worth listening to. Yeah. Um, I'm going to listen to the Ziggy Stardust episode, but that'll probably be the only one I listen to. Yeah. I'm hoping that he's going to start adding some more albums I've heard of. Cause it would be nice to like know what he's talking about <laughs> a little bit, but as that's just my poor musical knowledge. I need to brush up my, my music. What about you? Have you been, watching or listening to anything else oh just my love of prison shows got me watching a new netflix documentary series called girls incarcerated oh you were talking about this off air now as you talk about it i'm going to see if it's on british netflix because aside from sounding like a porno this sounds quite interesting so tell me all about it no it it's about a uh <laughs> like a teenage girls like prison in indiana and they just follow some of the girls and they you know, it's like their day-to-day routine and also talks about some of the societal factors that got them there. Like, there's this one girl who... So, the way that juvenile justice works in America, and I don't want to go too much into this, um, but the way that juvenile justice works in America is that when you are sentenced to prison as a juvenile, you don't get a specified sentence. So, it's not like two years or three years or whatever you are just literally there until the people feel like that you're you know have sufficiently changed i think it's similar over here i think because they don't go to proper prisons i think it's like you're there until you're 18 and then they decide what they're going to do with you kind of thing but one of the girls on this show she has been there for a while because her mom is in prison Her dad is out of the picture. She has no family that will take her. So she's literally just stuck there because she has no, nobody to take her. Oh, that's so sad. It's Laura. It's, it's so fucking sad. And there's one of the counselors that's on the show. um, I was looking at her Twitter feed um, just because I was like really interested like this. I've been super interested in the show. Like it's very, very, very compelling. Um, and I was looking at her Twitter feed and she did say that eventually the girl, I believe her name is like nausea that she did end up getting out eventually. Um, but that it's still like not a really good situation for her, but that she's like making the best that she can. Oh, that's that's tragic. It is on UK Netflix. So I've put it on my list. This is, I'm definitely going to watch this. It looks like there's eight episodes. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. This looks like something I'm going to enjoy. So I, um, yeah this looks it looks compelling it's very compelling and you know the funny thing is is that you know like when i watch like locked up or something and you know the guys are talking and they start to swear the guards will be like hey hey no swearing like watch your damn mouth or you know whatever but like here these girls are like swearing at the guards and the guards just don't care (laughs) i mean it's it's so funny like but it's it's also it also just goes to show you like how fucked the juvenile justice system is in my country specifically. It doesn't seem like a great, um, a great system that you would just be, keep someone in prison because there's nowhere else for them to go. Like you would think that there would be a, a better way around it than that. Wouldn't you? Cause it can't, it must be, I mean, it must do your mental health no good at all to be in prison. And that's if you 
actually deserve to be there, let alone if you're just being kept there because there's nowhere else for you to go. Like, it's oh. fucked up, to say the least. Yeah, her story is super tragic, but I'm on episode five right now, I think, and I I just think that all the, the girls on the show are so interesting and compelling. Like, the whoever directed this series on Netflix just they knew exactly what they were doing because they found just like the five or six girls that had the most interesting, compelling stories and then just followed them around for, um, it doesn't really give like a set time. And it's weird because uh, one of the, one of the girls was in there for two years. Like she actually had like a, a actual sentence, like she was sentenced to two years and they had video footage of her, like induction meeting like when she first got there right so they had been filming for two years or so or they were at least aware that they were going to be doing the show for two years and yeah it's really good i i really recommend it it's I'll definitely it's give that a watch pretty then. good I, I guess with these shows that they must have to film for a long time and film a lot of different leads that then probably don't always become part of the show but you must have to have a lot of threads mustn't you to kind of have any hope of getting a, a series together like this but it sounds really interesting so i'll definitely give that a watch yeah um again that springs from my love of documentaries about prison life <laughs> he just loves he loves prison stuff what's the one over here that is banged up abroad is that a thing you have over there uh i think we call it locked up abroad right, okay over here. yeah that's a that's a thing that is uh that prison a prison show that is like people love over here anything else no i think i think that's about it for this week um i'm back at work with my my stomach also seems to have shrunk a little bit so i'm uh, back to the grindstone but looking forward to going through the rest of series six with you so can't wait to talk about that next week yep and next week we are at a milestone we're episode 40 yes Four zero. wow yeah episode 40 that's wow we've talked for a long time about peep show <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah cool 30 up ep- 30 episodes of us talking about peep show and back and magicians and how not to be a boy yeah, so yeah yeah cool We've had a lot of a lot of conversations yeah still a lot more to go yes lots more to go yeah so anyways oh and uh one last thing is everybody that took time to vote in our poll thank you for voting um your feedback was greatly appreciated. Yeah, cheers. Thanks, everyone. All right. And I think with that, this is the L Dude Brothers signing off. Eh, and, eh. And... Bye. I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant of The Apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. Ay, 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 ay,